I'm thankful for the gift of life today. You know, Paul said in, in Romans chapter number 9 that oftentimes when we're in despair and sorrow of life, when we're questioning and asking difficult questions, he said, does the clay say to the potter, why hast thou made me thus? Often we've asked, we didn't ask to be created. We didn't ask, but God did in his sovereign wisdom, his infinite wisdom, he created us. And if the creator Elohim, our father God, could create the world in its intrinsic greatness and goodness that God has intended for it to, to house, certainly he intended, he had a destiny, a purpose, a plan in his mind when he created us. And it's my personal belief that it is the Father's will for our lives to live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness. And what we mean by quiet is, is without all the discord. I didn't mean that you're not active. I didn't mean that you're dormant on a shelf somewhere, that you don't have a vibrant personality, but that, that in your home there's peace. There's harmony. There's, there's, I didn't say that it doesn't get hectic. I know, listen, I know what JoJo's going through. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, and one day we'll write the book. I know what it's like, but at the same time, you can still have peace, right? You still have that great grace. You can still have a quiet and peaceable life. It's my personal belief. I hope it's yours. God's desire is to prosper us even as our souls prosper. And oftentimes, prosperity in the context that I'm talking about, not simply monetarily, but just living a whole blessed life is dependent upon your soul being prospered. If you read and meditate and study and look at God and the nature of God, then it reciprocates in your heart and life, and it produces such a change. Now, as I say this today, here's a disclaimer. I know that there are extreme examples of extreme hardship and sufferings around the world where Christians are heavily persecuted, victimized, violently oppressed, violated, and I cannot even attempt to speak to them today, would not even, who am I to say, I don't know what life is like to be in that environment. I'm not preaching this sermon to them today. We pray for any that are in those difficult environments. But let me say that, that's the exception, that's not the rule. Most believers have the opportunity to live a quiet and peaceable life. Most believers have an opportunity to just simply live with walking in the blessing of God. I personally believe that you can choose, as Joe already said, to have joy beyond happiness, a work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. You can have peace in your home, but you can also have happiness. You can be happy. The Scripture promises happiness to His children if we all apply the Word of God, and you can have love in your heart and life. I believe you can live life with a smile, I really believe a Christian ought to be the life of the party. Now, what I mean by that is, I don't mean that you are always drawing attention to yourself, but I'm telling you, I believe that the entire demeanor of a, uh, or feel of a room ought to change when you walk in because of the anointing that's upon your life. You say, Pastor, you know, the world is an evil place. There's a lot of hardships and evils that are going on right now. While we speak here today, that's exactly right. That's why you need to be blessed to be a blessing. Because there's so much evil and so much darkness, you need to shine like a light with the love and the grace and the goodness of God. 
People need to be able to look at your life and know that there is more to this life than what they're living in right now. That there is hope and peace found in God. And they will find that in an, in an exhibition of your faith being lived out in front of them on a regular basis. I believe that your home, your marriage, if you're married, your children, all that you are is designed by the Father for blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. I believe you should carry that attitude, that mindset into everything that you do. On your job, at school, any of your extracurricular activities, you should go there knowing, Father, you have blessed me and I'm going to be a blessing to those that are around me. You live life that way, you'll get up every morning with purpose in your heart and life. You will. Doesn't mean you have to have extreme things. It doesn't mean you're going to end up on the newscast or the newspaper's going to write articles about you or suddenly somebody's going to be reading Charisma magazine and there's your picture. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in just everyday life, even the mundane things of life, you are blessed to be a blessing in whatever situation you're in. I've discovered that God kept ancient Israel even when they were in Egypt. He kept them in the wilderness and he kept them in Canaan's land as long as they trusted in him so even when there's evil around us God will keep us now I believe that if you study God's word long enough you're going to dis- you're going to discover that it's God's will to bless you and to show you grace and to show you favor some people are afraid of the favor of God some people think well God doesn't show favoritism I didn't say he showed favoritism I said he shows favor right he's all of my children You can ask all six of my children. They all think they're my favorite. They do. Because I send them messages, not to everybody, but to them. I love you, and you know you're my favorite. They're firmly convinced that they're my favorite. I tell you, I'm convinced I'm God's favorite today. And you know what? I want you to be convinced that you're God's favorite. God's got favor. He's got favor for us all. And when you get that in your heart and life, that's what puts a smile on your face. To know that you're loved. I know that the environment around you sometimes can be difficult, but I'm telling you, God's love shines into us through the Word of God, through the power of His Holy Spirit. You know, I was thinking about this in, con- in the context of you discovering it's God's will to bless you. You know, you still have to do your part. You have to do your part in the process. You know, God put Adam in the garden, and everything that he needed for life was in the garden. Everything that he needed for life was in the garden. And and listen, when he didn't have a helpmate, God brought one to him. Think about this. God provided shelter. God provided provision. God provided relationship. I was thinking about that. His clothing bill was next to nothing altogether. He just simply lived in the garden. Once again, my humor is so much farther than y'all's ability to capture it, but you'll catch that later. But notice this, when God put God, uh, Adam in the, uh, in the garden, when God put him in the garden and he gave him everything that he needed for life, shelter, provision, and relationship, but he also gave him responsibility. Now, I want you to see this. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. Look what it says. The Lord God took the man. Listen to this. I think they're going to post it. I put that one on there. The Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. To dress it and to keep it. If you'll study the original Hebrew there, you'll find that the word dress means to work it, to serve it, and to labor in it. God put him in a garden that would be productive and become bountiful and that would be blessed, but he still gave him responsibility. God wants to bless you, but he still wants you to be responsible to that blessing. 
He wants you to do your part. He also said to keep it. The word keep in Hebrew means to hedge it about, to protect it, and to attend to it. And so it's my observation that the garden was God's gift. It could be productive and it could bring forth life. But Adam had responsibility to manage it, to work in it, and to work at it. And just because I've stood on this platform many times and told you God wants to bless you doesn't mean that you're not to do your part. You're to do your part. You're to respond to the provision of God. You're to respond to the blessing of God. You're to roll your sleeves up and labor in the garden that God's given you. And to trust that God wants to bless you, your house, and your household. That's your garden. Your life is your garden. You got to be very careful. I think that we're, if we're not careful, here's what we're seeing happen. We're going to go to, this is going to be the last passage of Scripture that we're actually going to turn to, I believe. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. I just want to read this because I'm afraid we're seeing some of this even in the church. And, and, and I, th- I want to address it today because I'm going somewhere and I want you all to stay with me. In Proverbs chapter number 24, verse number 30, Solomon said, I went by the field of the slothful. And by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And it was, over, it, was, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. And Solomon said, I saw and I considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instruction. He heard God speaking to him. That the reason why that the building was torn down and the stone wall was broken down and thorns and nettles had taken over, taken resident there, is because of lethargicness. Look at this. He said it was a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and their poverty came as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. I'm afraid that many even in the church have fallen prey. We neglect our spiritual responsibilities and we also neglect our earthly responsibilities. We get entangled with sinful lifestyles and sinful addictions and lifestyle choices until our lives are overgrown with thorns and thistles. And oftentimes we just sit back and complain about our circumstances. And we want to blame everybody else than ourselves. And we don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and say, I had opportunity to dress and to keep this garden. And in my negligence, the, 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 curse, uh, 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 the curse that resulted of Adam's sin when he was driven eastward out of the garden has taken over your life as well. And there's nobody to blame, but you need to look yourself in the mirror. We are the generation that we think that everybody should do something for us while we sit back and do nothing. And I stand against that today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm telling you, God is for you, but you got to get up. You got to put your hand and your shoulder to the plow. You got to seek God daily, and you got to say, God, will you bless me, my house, my family, and my children? Listen, my daughter Alyssa is out, and as y'all know, my, I need to make sure I clarify that. Sherry's, you know, comes to me later. She said she's my daughter too. Mine and Sherry's daughter out in Los Angeles at the Dream Center. The Dream Center is servant-based. They go out. They do things uh, like, you know, adopt a block. They knock on doors, what, doors. What can I do? I believe in serving. I thank God for people that have a servant's heart. But I struggle a little bit. Where is the tipping point in that somewhere? Where is the tipping point when I'm going to be out there mowing your yard while you're sitting in there watching television? 
I struggle with that just a little bit because sometimes the best thing that you can do for somebody is not to go out and to pluck all the weeds out of their garden for them. The best thing you can do is put a hedge clipper in their hand and say, here, right there, go outside, take control of your own life, clean your own house up, take value in it, and then the blessing of God will come upon you. I'm telling you, God wants to bless us, but we got to do our part. The garden would produce for Adam, but he didn't tell Adam to sit around in the shade sipping on lemonade and watching Eve run around. No, he said, I'm going to give you a job. Take care of the garden. Hedge it. Keep it. Work at it. And then it'll produce. And that's the way our lives should be. That's how we're going to be blessed. Roll our sleeves up and work before God. Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 1 says, God's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. God won't hold anything good back from you. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, God wants us to live, as I've stated previously, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. 1 Timothy 4 says, Godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So you can't be living a sinful, an habitually sinful lifestyle and expect God to bless you. Right? You can't do it. You've got to make up your mind. And say, God, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do good. Isn't that what it said in Psalm 37? The psalmist said, I'm going to do good. God, I'm going to respond to your righteousness, and I'm going to respond to your grace, and I'm going to do good, and then I'm going to trust you to bless me. You know, one thing, and Billy and I was having our private conversations last night, is that, you know, we're going to give account for our lives one day. we got to be reminded of that. Every one of us are going to stand before God one day, and we're going to give account for our lives. The things that we've done, the Bible says, in this body, whether good or bad. We're, and I'm telling you, you've got to learn to excel at the small things. Because if you don't learn to count the blessing in the small things, you may never move into greater things. Let me go a little bit farther. I, and I wish time would have afforded me this, but I won't. But in the Old Testament record, or time doesn't afford me this, but in the Old Testament record of the kings, how many of you have ever you know, just read in the book of primarily second chronicles when it starts showing you just excerpts out of the life of a king you know some have greater records like josiah hezekiah some of the more prominent kings but others just have a few verses of scripture tells when they came to the throne 16 years old 20 years old they ruled for 20 years eight years two years did what was good in the sight of god did that which is evil in the sight of god and then it's just a little record the Second Chronicles told me the story of Uzziah, who was 16 years old. And it says, he sought the Lord, and, and as he sought the Lord, if he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That just stands out in my heart. And you seek the Lord, God will make you prosper. But the record then went on and said he warred against the Philistines, and he built towers in Jerusalem, and he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells. He loved gardenry. Actually, the King James says husbandry. He prepared weapons for his army. His name was spread far and wide. So God had blessed him. He grew arrogant late in life, overstepped his boundaries, went into the temple where only the priest could go, as Joe mentioned earlier, and he became leprous and lived a leper for the rest of his life. But the reason I wanted to draw your attention to it is that God took the time to write down just brief windows of what this man did with his life. And that moves me. One day I'm going to stand before God. And my life's going to flash, right? The good that I had the opportunity to do, the ability to resist evil, the ability to take control of my life and become blessed to be a blessing and not to just sit back and whine and complain. 
I know there are evildoers. I know that that's what the psalmist said. There are evildoers. God's going to take care of them. You just be blessed to be a blessing. You know, I was thinking for just a moment in my private devotions, and Jojo was just right on. He didn't know that I was going there today. But, you know, four years ago, God gave Sherry and I an opportunity to see the desires of our heart, and that was to purchase a farm. And we purchased our farm from Miss Gail, and uh, we, we just love it out there. And I'm going to tell you, I've got some things I want to talk to you about here today for just a moment of time. When we went out there, Sherry loves the house. I love the farm aspect of it. We had to do very little to the house, Gail. We painted a couple of rooms. That was all. You had a good color scheme. It was just right there for us. We didn't have to do anything out there. But the farm needed a lot of work. And so when Par- Parson Brown <laughs> is not here, he got another hat, Farmer Brown. And during that time when I'm out there, you know, just on a daily basis, you know, uh, I learn a lot in the simple things in life. Right? I learn through natural examples things that I believe that have deep spiritual principles. That, that if, and, and so today, I'm going to open up just a little window into some of the things that I've gleaned while I've been out on the pasture many years ago, or four years ago, after being out there a few months, I shared with you life lessons learned on the farm. This is kind of a, an, an addendum to that here today to just tie this into that take control of your life. So let me just throw, these are bullet points. They're just going to come very quickly, but I want you to just look at it for just a moment of time through this lens. I want you to think about Brown Family Farm, 3565 Yuba Road. Here's what I've learned, number one. If I don't like something, change it. That's the third worst amen to a deep principle that I have ever gotten in 13 years of pastoring the church. Because, see, I'm making a principle that I'm sharing with you, a principle that I've learned about working on a natural farm, just working at 40 acres, that I've learned if I don't like something about it, then i got to change it. That I can't just sit back and complain that it's going to be that way. I can change it. And you can change areas of your life that you really want to change, but you've got to take the responsibility for it. Now, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've also learned. People will help me on the farm because I'm willing to help myself. Let me just show you. I'm going to give you an example, and this is going to rock you out just a little bit. If you have ever come to or responded to a phone call or when I've asked your advice or when I've asked you something that I needed a little bit of help, just sometimes it's just counsel about farming. For the last four years, slip your hand up real quickly. If you've been on my house, go up, come on, look around. That's about 15 to 18 people, and there's more than that, that I've just had to go to. Every one of them have responded to me, but not because I'm the pastor. They've responded because they know that I'm trying. And I'll tell you, that's the way it is in life. If you try, we will run to your aid. But we're not going to sit back and do it for you because we can't do it for you. We can't. Let me give you a little excerpt into a moment of time on the farm when I actually had to help. This was year number one, and this involved the staff. It was an exciting day, and it has nothing to do with deep spiritual principle, but it was very exciting because I'm, uh, I'm raising hogs again for the first time since 2012, so my mind's kind of been there a little bit. And, but in 2012, I raised five hogs, and it came time to catch the hogs, and so I turned to my staff <laughs> to come over on, a, on a, a whatever Monday, Tuesday, whatever day it was time to take them to the uh, to the, the processing plant. And so we had our game plan. Vaco got it recorded, and it was pandemonium. It just broke out. If you've ever tried to catch a 200-pound hog in an open area, and we didn't have a good game plan, and one of them got out. 
and he's running around the yard. He's running. He's a black hog. He's running around the, in the yard. And, um, and so, but he wants back in. He don't know he's about to go to the processing plant, but he wants back in where the other hogs are. And so here he comes. So we're trying to get him. And so he comes charging JoJo. And oh, Joe, Joe's Panther football days kicked in, and he locked down like a linebacker. And it was on right then. And so I'm, we're watching it about to happen. Something's about to happen. Now, Joe, in his mind, he's, he's picturing that he's fixing, this, he's fixing to wrap that hog up and just throw him up over in the trailer. In my mind, I had a brief picture of Brian Ballsworth and Bo Jackson from the 80s. Anybody ever see that clip when Brian Ballsworth was ready for Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson smoked him and run 60 yards for a touchdown. We knew what was about to happen, but that pig got within about two foot of Joe Joe and gave him a little juke, and Joe went one way and the hog went the other way. But I have found just that had nothing to do with deep spiritual principle applied to the sermon, but listen, people will help you if you're willing to help yourself. Number two, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. Stay in order and stay on pace. The first year that we were there, we bought animals when we didn't have adequate facilities. We didn't have good fences. We didn't have, I've got a sick cow, sick animal. We had no means to capture it and take care of it. And so I've learned is that process requires patience. Right? You got to be patient. Things don't just happen overnight. You got to incrementally improve. Right? You got to ask God for blessing. You got to learn to rule over small things. Because if you learn to rule over small things, then you can become made master over many. So stay on course and be patient. Bullet statements. Number three, you need to strategize and you need to work according to a plan. We live life without a plan. So many of us have no plan. We don't really know anything about what we're doing and where we're going. We don't ever even sit down and even think about it and start. I believe you, the Bible says in the book of Habakkuk that write the vision, make it plain. Can I pin things out, put it on paper. Talk about your family. Anticipate your future. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? And, and begin to envision things. Take inventory. Dream. Come on, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. You can. You know what I have with me at almost all times in my notebook? You know what that is? That's an aerial picture of my farm. Because I study it, and I make adjustments, and I look at it, and I, and I say, no, I don't like this. So go back to principle number one. If I don't like it, then i got to change it. Right? And I've, in my library at home, I've got farm books about cows and pigs and goats and, and angry wives. And, and then from there, and educational resources and things of that nature. You know, because you got to read, you got to study, and you got to learn. That's, that's going to improve your life. That's how you take control of your life. You read the Word. You read other resources. You know, if my farm doesn't look like what I, and it doesn't, it doesn't look like what I want it to, but I can envision it. And if I can envision it, I can change it, and so can you. Number four, here's something else I learned. Are y'all with me today? Yes. I must have lost volume up here because I've lost right here. There will be seasons of growth and seasons of struggle. There, there will be. The first year we moved out there was 2012. In March, in one week's time, we got six inches of rain, Not like overnight. That was the year it got really... If anybody remember March, spring break of March... 2012, man, it was 80 degrees in, the, in our area. Grass was this tall. Man, I was super excited, so I started buying animals. Go back to don't get ahead of yourself. I bought my cows or some calves, bought horses. Don't know why. I guess I just had temporary insanity for just a moment. I did. And, I, man, and, then, and the last animals I bought was in May, and then not a drop of rain 
fell May, June, July, August. Every green bit of grass was dried and withered. Hay went from $30 a bale to $80 a bale. Some of you farmers remember, don't you? Real quickly, but you know what? If you really want to live on a farm, you got to just stay the course, right? You want to see change in your life, stay the course. There are going to be seasons when you're up here, and there are going to be some low seasons, but stay the course. One of the most, most misquoted verses of Scripture in the Word of God is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We say it all the time. We print bracelets and T-shirts and wear it around our neck. I can do all things through Christ. That's a true principle. But attach it to the verse preceding it, which says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to uh, have a lot and I know how to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're going to have times of up and down, but I'm telling you, stay the course. God will favor your life. Don't give up. Trust in the Lord. You'll have times of abundance, and you'll have also a dry season, but you can make it through it with the help of God. Number five, let me stay the course today. Number five, you've got to have good fences. i got to move quickly, bullet statements. You've got to have a good fence. You know, today, it wasn't this way when I purchased it, but Gail wants you to know this. My entire 40 acres is fenced and cross fence. Nine different paddocks, including the yard. Yes, I occasionally say, why do I mow the yard when I have cows? And so I put the cows out and let them mow the yard and then drive through to get to church. But that's another story altogether. But with that said, fences keep livestock in and they can hinder predators. But here's what it applies to your life. Fences are your parameters. Fences are your clearly defined boundaries. If you're new to the kingdom of God, you got to begin to put boundaries on your life. you got to say, I can go this far, but I can't go any farther than that right there. Because I am keeping myself for the glory of God. So we all got to have fences in our lives. In our, uh, one thing I've observed about having a farm, some of the old fences just need repair. Some of you got old convictions that all you got to do is just re-agitate them, stir them up, and they'll rise back up within you. And you'll find yourself not doing the things that you've been doing recently because your heart's convicted. You know that's not the best for God, in, in your, uh, best of God's will for your life. Others need to have newly established Fences that are designed with purpose. Parameters with purpose. God doesn't hold anything good from you. He doesn't withhold anything from good from you. If it's good for you, you can have it. But if it's not good for you, he don't want you to have it. Number six, let me move quickly. It's almost 12. Must have good water sources. You, gotta, you can't have a farm without a good water source. Did you know I have three ponds that collect the rain of heaven? But I also now have three livestock watering tanks that bring mountaintop water to my livestock because we do have seasons of drought. Did you know Adam had one river that flowed into the garden and then parted four ways? But he also had a mist that came up and watered the garden during the night. You got to have water in your life. Water is the work of the Holy Spirit. Water is the flow of the Holy Spirit. You've got a well of salvation in your life, but you need more water sources. You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on, you need the water of his word that produces cleansing in your life. You need the refreshing that comes from being in church. Don't tell me you didn't feel something during worship in here today. Don't tell me it didn't lift your countenance. Don't tell me that even if you came in here discontented and downcast and disheartened and you had the mully grubs and you weren't singing the joy of Christmas, but you came in like Grinchy, I'm telling you your spirit was lifted in the presence of God. Come on, it was. you got to have it. That's why we need a water source in our life, multiple water sources. Number seven, you got to be prepared to tear down and build. 
Before I got there, Gail tore an old barn down. Gail, if you come back, I got a new barn built right where the old one was. So I've built chicken houses and I've built storage building and built barn. Things in life, things that we need in our lives, we have, to, we have to bring them forth. We pray. Old habits have to be torn down and new disciplines have to be built up, right? We tear down old relationships that are no good for us, right? And we establish new relationships. So we build things of worth and value in our lives and we tear down things that detract or take away. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Today, I'm just bringing you to the point where you just can say with the psalmist, I could say with the psalmist that I delighted myself in the Lord. And when I delighted myself in him, he gave me the desires of my heart. And so number eight today, you got to guard against predators. Since we've been out there, we've lost a dog to coyotes. My daughter and her son, uh, her son, my daughter and her husband, uh, my son-in-law lost an expensive dog to coyotes. We lost uh, chickens to neighbor's dogs. We've lost ducks to our own dogs, and we've lost calves to sickness and flies. It's a constant battle. Every farmer said it's a constant battle. you got to be vigilant, and you got to be sober because there's always something trying to come in and take what you got. Now, you know where I'm going with this. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We've got to be mindful that as we're being blessed, the enemy's always trying to come in, bring discord into our home, marriages, and families. But we've got to, we've got to drive him away. Paul said, don't give place to the devil. James said, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and the devil's going to flee from you. So be sober and be vigilant. Number nine, realize what is good. Listen, oh, this is good right here. Let me just read it the way it is. I learned this. Now, I didn't know this. I could spend all day talking to you about this. Weeds grow all by themselves. They don't need any help. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Come on, listen. Weeds, thorns, and thistles, they will grow all by themselves. But what is good and is profitable requires effort and management. My greatest learning curve on the farm right here, here's what I've learned. My greatest learning curve is this right here, is that grasses that I need are tender and delicate. They are tender and delicate. And they can be choked by weeds, thorns, and thistles very easily. And you've got to be very careful. The thing that you think is palatable and good for your farm may actually be destructive. I didn't have time to get a picture up here this morning. But have you ever seen the picture? Y'all number nine, you know it's just ten, so I'm getting ready to close. Have you ever seen the picture of a horse standing in a field with beautiful yellow flowers around it at its feet? It's just beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? That's not beautiful. It's not beautiful because that's standing with a buttercup. Now, see, I was confused. I thought buttercup was good for the farm. And I remember being out there with Sherry one time, and I said, no, this is good palatable right here. The, the, the cows will love this. And I was singing to it, buttercup, buttercup, oh, buttercup. And then I found out that buttercup has toxins in it that will, are you all hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and that, that can affect the mouths of animals and eventually lead to their death. They can choke and die. And so listen, what does that mean for your life? Again, weeds will grow all by themselves. You've got to pluck up. Isn't that what Jesus said? You've got to cut down and even spray with chemicals if necessary. And then you've got to really fertilize and take care of that which is good. Now put that into your spiritual life for just a moment. There are things that's got to be plucked out of you. Only you can do it. Pluck it up. Jesus said, every plant my father has not planted shall be plucked up. 
I pray that, God, take out of my heart the things. Take out of my life, God, in the name of Jesus. And let me manage very carefully what is delicate and tender in my life. Lastly today, it's right at 12 o'clock, number 10. Are y'all here today? You feel good? Did you feel this? Is this you? It is you, right? Because you want God's best for your life. Lastly, look at this. Reinvest. Reinvest in your life, your family, and your kingdom. Here's the truth. After four years, after four years, I have not made a cent, a red cent, not a dollar, not even a promissory note. <laughs> Let me go. I'm going somewhere with this. To this year, this year, it was all about to change. I sold eight calves, counting the one that I raised for my dad. I have to take control of that if I need to. I called him and said, Papa, I'm not sure you're going to get this money. I sold eight calves, and I sold timber off the property. So I had Sherry open me an account. For the first time, I was going to have a farm account with money in the bank. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Oh, I was Shatakaya Mosian. I was. And I got the check, just sold the calves last Monday. But I'm driving out, looking at all those treetops laying out in that field. Just mess. You know how they cut the trees and take it, and it's just a mess. And I go, oh, I can't handle that. That'll take me forever with the chainsaw. So before I could even deposit the check for the cattle, I had already purchased a piece of equipment to clean the property up. Now, Listen, why, why, why did I mention that point? Let me, let me just say it. You say, Pastor, are you not contented? Remember what Jesus said, you need to be contented. No, no, I am contented. But I know the farm's maximum potential is not achieved yet. And the only way for it to be achieved is to continue to invest into it rather than to consume from it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You've got to reinvest, church family. You've got to reinvest in your life. By reading and praying and studying and living life with a plan and purpose, you reinvest in your family. Sow into your family. Come on, sow into your family and sow into the kingdom of God. God sees the sincerity of your heart when you sow into his kingdom. He does. And if you sow into, your, into the kingdom of God, God will reciprocate in your life. And you'll begin to live an abundant life blessed by God. Can y'all stand up with me here today? Who's on the keyboards from me for just a moment I conclude thank you for being here today it's 1205 the psalmist David wrote 3,000 years ago that if you delight yourself in him he will give you the desires of your heart how many of you believe that today you believe that God will doesn't mean it's going to be easy does it there's going to be challenges Let's go further as we're getting ready to close with a moment here today. Just a moment of dedication, of dedication to God. How many of you know your life is like a garden? Adam was put in a garden, given responsibility. I use the analogy of my farm. I don't know what Eden was like. I didn't walk through Eden to be able to make that analogy. But I've walked that farm, the whole parameter up and down, crossed every field. So I know that. So I brought the principles out of those four years to just share with you because I believe it's a picture of what your life can be. Your life can be blessed and favored. It can be like a well-watered garden. 
Or it can be like what we read in Proverbs chapter 24. I went by the home of the slothful, the sluggard, and there were nettles and thorns and thistles, and sometimes that's like life. That's what lives, and that's what I grieve. I grieve when I see God's people have such contention in their families and homes, and they don't have the peace that we've talked about today. That grieves my heart. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. But change will only happen when you initiate that change. It doesn't just happen automatically. You have to be the initiator. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, and fewer people are leaving already, but hold off if you can for just a moment. Let's pray a prayer today. It's a prayer of dedication, a rededication. It's a prayer of confession. Will you take a moment to just look into your own life? That's all I'm going to ask you to do today. We've already brought you forward. I won't bring you forward. I won't do anything like that. But you know what? Sometimes it starts with just a simple response to a sermon. That can be all that it takes to do change or to initiate change. A simple response to a sermon. By being honest. Is your life like the well-watered garden? Or is your life like the example that was given in Proverbs 24? where the nettles and the thistles and things are broken down and there's confusion and contention and strife and all these things doesn't have to be that way. Change can come, but you've got to initiate change and it starts by faith. Just acknowledging God and acknowledging, delight thyself in the Lord. Delight yourself in Him. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest, in my life there's thistles and nettles and thorns and there's some broken down areas and and i'm not confessing everything in here today but pastor just remember me remember me and my family and by the upraised hand i just want to send say here today god i, I want to turn to you i see hands that are going up thank you there are hands going up all across our congregation today people are being honest and they're evaluating their life and you know what i hope you have found inspiration in this word today God sent me here with this word to help you. You can change. Your life can change. It doesn't have to always be this way. Change will come if you believe God for it. Let's pray. Let's pray for every person and with every person. Father, my congregation doesn't know who raised their hand. Only you, God, and, and, and myself. We're the only, Father, it's only our eyes that have seen. But God, today we feel their sincerity. We, we recognize today we recognize that they've responded in humility. God, I pray for every person that raised their hand. I pray that they will delight themselves in you and that they will do good. They will submit themselves to your righteousness and they will rise up and become a new person of faith to believe that blessing will come to their lives as well many of you that raised your hand I say this to you today in love you've looked at other people's lives with envy and jealousy and at times you've looked at them even with criticism but today you've humbled yourself and you've said you know what I want I want to have a life that's blessed I, I want my life to be more than what it is right now and I'm not going to blame anybody else any longer I'm going to just simply start where I'm at. I'm going to apply the principles, some of the principles that pastors shared today. And I'm going to trust that God is for me. And if God, you're for me, and I learn to delight myself in you, would you give me the desires of my heart? 
God, I pray for those that had the courage to raise their hand. I bless them today, and it's my thrill and my enjoyment to be their pastor. And I speak life over them. If they have lived life, Father, in slumber, and Father, and as, as it said in Proverbs, but today they've been jostled awake. God, today let them rise up and begin to move quickly about in their home and in their life, trusting in the blessing of God. Father, today I speak over them. I speak over the courage to make change. I speak over the patience necessary. I speak over the resilience to go through trial. I speak over the ability to dream. God, give them a blank piece of paper and a pen so they can begin to write down their dreams and their visions so that the things that you put in their heart can become a reality. God, I pray over them today that one day they're going to look back and they're going to testify and they say, you know, my life was without meaning until that day I heard that word and I decided to make a change. And since that day, God, the God of all grace, has blessed my life and he's given me. I can't wait to hear your testimony, sir. I can't wait to hear your testimony, ma'am. When you testify in this house that God has given you the desires of your heart. So God, I love you and I bless each one in this house today. It's in Jesus' name.